0: No, be afraid, be
1: very afraid. There is nothing to fear, exactly.
2: You're listening to a podcast exploring faith and fear, what scares us and what saves us. This is The Fear of God.
0: And welcome to your favorite podcast at the intersection of faith and fear, where every week we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the fear of God. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse, and typically with me is fellow co-host Reed Lackey. Guys, he was here, seeming quite energized, but he cryptically yelled, there ain't no stop signs on the black road. And then he rushed out of frame. You know, I just don't know with that man sometimes while we wait on read, permit me to remind you listeners that here at the fear of God, we explore, we don't explain except for right now when I explain that you can find all things foggy at the fear things such as and especially how to support us on Patreon. More on that in a minute, because who is this climbing down off their post?
2: It is Saw 2-3. Oh well, howdy there, is It is Saw 2-3 Just I got me some cactus cooler. I'm trying to go to church, and everybody's trying to beat me up all the way, and I just don't. Meet me at the church at midnight. I'm going
0: to make it to the church. Give me to the church well, on time. Isn't that funny, Reed? Yeah, you know what? it is it's a little bit funny. <laughs> oh, this lackey inside. I love that song. <laughs> love um, that song. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> the the conceit of the cornfield as a horror trope. Mm-hmm. Do you know if, I mean, yep. is I ground zero for that? Children of the Corn? It is Certainly the
2: earliest not. I can think of. No, I mean, so well, because here's the thing is that I I can't think of of, of an earlier iteration of it. And Children of the Corn is very early King. I mean, it's late seventies. Sure. So, and I think the story was even published before that, like mid seventies. So, I mean, it is pretty early. Uh, and I can't recall any piece of like classic, classical, or older literature that addresses cornfield as ominous scenario. Well, and it's I'm a fairly. I mean, it's a it's uniquely King. American trope. Yeah. So, so I'm fairly certain that King was the first to solidify to cement it i'm I, you know i can't say right now that he was absolutely the first person who ever thought like oh creepy thing hiding out in the field but uh, children of the corn i think is is definitely ground zero for you know becoming a trope
0: so. you know what you're going to do if you realize one preceded that
2: what you're going to say what am i going to say oh shucks <laughs> i'll be like wow <laughs> i'm amazed i missed that <laughs>
0: <sighs> okay, so <laughs> listeners, read. Uh, last week we we finished Scream of Ween. Read for a yes, minute there. We made it. Uh, I was worried Ghostface was going to get us. If I'm completely honest, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you know. uh Likewise. we 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 laughed, we cried, we got stabbed through the mail slot, um, and Threw we finished the it mail all slot. off. Uh, yep, bam. that was. I, I love that's a weird of all the randomness that has become sort of canon. Fear of God (laughs) cannon. That's an odd one, you know. Like it is strange. Yes. The moment Reed accidentally stumped himself, basically is I did. I
2: just second guessed myself. That whole episode, (laughs) I was just off my game. I was just. That's. I was just not.
0: But what about the man?
2: Which wasn't even my point. But through the wall, through the door. I know. know, It was just. It was an off night. And I was so excited for that conversation, too. I was all like, oh, You're man. Like, but what about it's Trevor? Awesome. <laughs> and then just like running right, running right into. Yeah, exactly. I was like, what? A, yeah. You and felt like Wes against that door. I did. And we were just like into the neck. I felt know? like all the, I felt like all the victims. I felt all like the Olivia. Kills. I was. You were on the, it was like there. you were
0: on the ladder and me, Denise and Vera were just yeah, shaking that's the exactly. shit yes. out of that ladder.
2: That's exactly right, and yeah, I was Annika in that moment, smacked my face into a dumpster, it was like boom, boom trying to walk that it was, off. Like, that was like yes. the third hit, you know. It yes, like, it was. I was like, was wow, it. that was it. You yeah. were Annika because
0: you get stabbed in the gut. Mm-hmm. That's the, yes. that's issue one when you said, yeah. "What about the men?"
2: Yeah, shaking the ladder yeah. was issue mm-hmm. two
0: when you said yeah. the mail slot. Yeah, in your
2: face the, face the yeah it was the Trevor thing. Was yeah, Trevor. And I, was, I was like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm just completely. <laughs> I am bowing out. I am finished. Stick a knife in me. Oh, wait. Already did. I am it's, I am you, done. You literally dropped the mic. You're like, F it. I'm out of here.
0: <laughs> there's there's three others of you here. Y'all, y'all are all okay. Y'all just okay, finish. You know? Y'all just finish.
2: Not, not the end of the conversation. End of the conversation <laughs> for <from> me. <laughs> I'm out.
0: <laughs> Fear God may be the beginning of wisdom, but the end of my participation in this conversation.
2: It's like I'm Oh my out.
0: god, that's funny. <laughs>
2: oh lord.
0: So yeah, we just yes. wrapped up Scream Again, our mm-hmm. spooky season franchise run. And today, we are talking about a quite little known 2023
2: horror flick. Indeed. Called Dark yes. Harvest. Mm-hmm. That literally just released last month. Yeah. And it was a kind of a surprise we can tell the story after we get out of business time, but it was kind of a surprise to uh, each of us that this is what we chose we're kind of looking for something a little new a little different yeah we'll tell that whole story but um
0: but okay yeah. well before we tell those stories we've got a little business to attend to starting with an upcoming quarterly king read oh
2: indeed indeed why don't, you, why don't so, you share remind me what we're doing because you yeah, know yeah, me yeah. Uh, I know you, you're going to have a lot of catch up in the next couple of weeks because, uh, we are covering one of Stephen King's longest books. I think it is technically by word count one of his like 10 longest books. Um, but it is Needful Things Build right there on the dust jacket as the last Castle Rock story. We will be covering the text of the novel itself. Uh, so if you have not started reading that, uh, best get to it, uh, because it is roughly, 700, 800 pages long, Um, but we will be covering Needful Things, uh, the novel and the film from the mid to late 90s, uh, directed by Fraser Clark Heston, uh, that is in a theatrical version, which is the most widely available version. There was a recut TV miniseries version of Heston's film, it's still the same production, uh, but it's three hours long. It has many additional scenes uh, and also has a couple of unique edits. It's it's a, it's basically its own unique flavor. Uh, and so we're going to be addressing all three of those. Engage in any or all of that. Uh, and we finally have a firm date. We are going to be doing that two weeks from now. So if you're listening to this in two weeks, we're going to be doing something a little different next week as well. And then in two weeks, we will be doing our next Quarterly King, which is on Stephen King's Needful Things. I'm excited i'm yeah. i'm I'm really looking forward to that conversation
0: i got a little bit left to go but i'm getting there cool awesome i mean you already spoiled a little bit with the last castle rock story
2: hmm. it's right there on the dust jacket it's right there i mean you know that's it's one thing if i'm just if like wow a dust jacket you yeah know? uh that's that's true but uh it's even if you're listening to the audiobook i think it's right there on the i could be wrong about that but i think it's right there on the little uh a uh, 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 square uh, that it because that was part of if I remember correctly that was part of the building. We are in the dumbest
0: timeline. It. You were like,
2: it's on the dust jacket,
0: and anyone who's you know at <laughs> least maybe thirty five years old hears that and like, yeah, that's what comes on a hardcover book, and mm-hmm. then you pivot it to. It might also be on the um the um the the square. <laughs> yeah, the square. Yeah. It's like
2: well, it's like the, how else would you describe I know, the audio? I know what you're talking or... about. I'm
0: just saying it's it's dumb. Like you're not dumb. Sure. I'm not saying that. I'm saying yeah, just the fact course. that you went from mm-hmm. lovely physical piece of artfully mm-hmm. designed, you know, book cover right. to yes. you know the little the digital little, yeah. <laughs> one by one by one on your My iPod quote, shuffle. Chip. Yes. Um, the next bit of business, uh, uh, then needful things is read. Brother, will you please just join Patreon? Because if you do, <laughs> there's a whole lot of extra for you up in there. You it's get quite true. Extra episodes in the form of B-sides. Mm-hmm. You get extra long standard episodes because there's extra segments. You get extra flavor, extra fun
1: mm-hmm.
0: with extra <laughs> sugar-free gum. No. Um, and then you also get extra events, Read actual events Indeed. and specialities. Uh, one of which we just did, which was fogoween 2023 and i'll be doggone reading that was a lot of fun it was a whole lot of fun last we had special week, guests. we referenced great. fogoween but spoiler alert it had not actually <laughs> happened yet so that's true we were, we were recording speaking beforehand. quite ignorantly and while mm-hmm. it's true jackson harper did not win horror movie trivia he did in fact win fear of god trivia because he's a fog super fan.
2: Yeah, the man um, just cannot escape a Fogoween without a prize. Just cannot escape it. All he it. does is
0: win. All <laughs> He's he a winner! Is win, 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 no matter what! He's a winner! Jackson, <laughs> and trivia, can I cannot get enough. Um, I also want to shout out Abby Doosnap. Oh, uh, that was long-time great. Long-time listener. Uh, I think it's been to all Fogoween's up to this point. Uh, in several so. of our Happy Hour Horror Hangouts. Abby... Won the costume contest, which was um elected by guest and friend of the show and author and academic Brandon Grafius. Uh, he was the, you know, arbiter of the costume contest. Mm-hmm. And Abby came dressed as Franken Nathan, that was yours truly's persona here at The Fog. Yep, What's really funny glorious. is it didn't click with me immediately. Like, the green did. Mm-hmm. And then I was mm-hmm. like... <laughs> She been eating chocolate. Oh, that's a beard.
2: <laughs> wow. It was great. It looked great. It I great. especially appreciated fantastic. the scar across the yep. forehead. It was awesome. And the, the so neck great. bolts. She yes, actually had the, the neck bolts. Bolt. That neck bolt was so clever because it was the the way she contrapted it, it was the, the wire across the back. I was like, that's awesome. It was great, yeah, man.
0: Very clever. Um, and so so yes, you get you get things like foggoween You get extra long episodes. You get bonus episodes. You also, if you want to be a part of this, you still have time to jump in at the uh, as a patron at the base level to join our covert Krampus. Mm-hmm. It is the fear of God. Patreon secret Santa we're going to be doing this year for the first time for our patrons. A little, little gift exchange amongst the Fog community. So if that sounds fun to you, uh, join Patreon. We're going to be rolling out some more information about that shortly. So all in all, there's just a lot of value to becoming a patron. and I don't know if I've sold you yet. including oh, I'm sold. Lastly, hearing us test out new bits and segments like the eminent patron segment we're about to do. We're going to put a new twist on an old game. That's right. If you've ever heard of Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, the movie trivia game, we're about to play our first round ever of Six Degrees of Horror, where we take an actor and a horror icon and see how quickly we can connect them to each other. Uh, so what you waiting for, listener? Join today. And with that, Reed, shall we go to the patron mobile?
2: Oh, man. Uh, so about this movie, but before about this movie, man. That was that fun. Was, that was fun. We uh, tried our hand uh, at a new game, Six Degrees of Horror Icons, where we take Love actors it. actors from the film we're about to discuss and try to connect them to iconic horror franchises. Uh, so the the first one, I mean, it, it lulled us into a false sense of self-confidence. Oh, yes, cause it did. They, because then it was like, oh boy. <laughs> so whatever the
0: runtime ends up being for the patron segment, uh, <laughs> just add about seven minutes, and that's what it actually was. <laughs> it's, indeed,
2: indeed. Okay. Um. So, but seriously, though, about this movie. Um. So we're discussing a film from 2023, as of this recording, uh, and pretty close to this broadcast as well. It's uh, less than a month old. Uh, it only came out last month. Very under the radar uh it is called dark harvest the production for this has an interesting history because it is officially going to be listed as the final film released under um mgm MGM, before their acquisition it was interesting because it didn't receive a ton of press it literally had one day in theaters at the alamo draft yeah yeah, special event kind of thing uh and then released yeah basically Because, you know, there's the basement in the Alamo. (laughs) Deep in the heart of Texas. Um, So anyway, they uh, then released it to video-on-demand digital platforms on Friday the 13th. So how this kind of came about, let me read what this movie is about, the Apple iTunes summary of it. uh, And then we'll talk a little bit about how we came to cover it here. Um, So the film, Dark Harvest, if you've never heard about it, and I don't blame you if you haven't, the summary is... In a midwestern town, an annual ritual unleashing the mythical nightmare Sawtooth Jack pits teenage boys in a bloody battle for survival. That's a very terse, brief summary, but pretty much gets to what this movie is about. And this is how this hit my radar: was a couple of years ago. I can't even remember precisely when. Uh, it was during the pandemic. I read this novel. Uh, Norman Partridge wrote the the novel, Um, a very, very brief book. It's one of the, you know, I am a, you know, kind of a constant reader, but uh, time is what it is. This is one of the few novels that I was able to finish, not quite in a single setting, but within the same day. I started it and finished it the same day uh, that I started it. It's a very brief novel and a really, really good one. I kid you not, it has stayed with me. All, all, all this time later, at least a couple of years, uh, one of the best original horror novels that uh, that that I've read in in recent years. So I loved it. Um, and then I had kind of heard rumblings that, like, oh, they're they're making a movie about it, or the movie rights have been sold. I think it went through some development niche or whatever. And when we were thinking about what to cover here, you know, we just finished Scream of Ween, looking for. Uh, kind of a good, strong episode, but didn't want to launch into a brand new series. Um, so I pitched to you, I was like, hey, why don't we just go into this blind? I haven't seen the film. Uh, I did read the book, but I don't. I, I, I just know that this movie was released and I don't know anything about it. So uh, other than having read the book, I don't know anything about the film itself. Uh, so why don't we just go into it blind? And you, I tell you what, you are always game for a surprise. Like, hey, I, you know, don't, I don't know what this movie is. This is an unknown commodity for me. And, you know, kind of want to check this out. So yeah, that's how we came to discuss it here. We kind of committed before we knew whether or not we would even like it. Um, So that having been said, I'm going to punt the ball over to you. Uh, What did you think about the film? What was your, you know, what was your general overall impressions of it?
0: We'll read. I'm going to take the ball you have punted and uh, you know throw it back to you, <laughs>
2: uh,
0: baby B. Uh, I love you, I'm baby hit B. Hit you in the face with it, and because I'm curious from you, I didn't know you'd read the book. And mm. uh, feel free to dive into the movie as much or as little as you want, but not even so much. I liked X better, but like, what are some? you you just mentioned, I think you yep. loved the book. Like yes. how did the feelings of the book translate to your experience of the movie? And, and, and is there mm. much to anything different? Like how would you describe the translation process?
2: What's really interesting is that, that book is one of the rare books that I've read that uh, if, if memory serves, it is written in like a second person perspective oftentimes um, where it's talking about you doing these things. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, that made for a kind of a, Uh, sometimes offbeat, little unsettling kind of experience as you're reading about what the characters are experiencing, but through a very unique lens that you don't know exactly who you are or where you are in the story. Um, One of the things I loved about it is the unveiling of what's going on is a lot more clear in the novel. Um, One of the things I will, you know, skipping ahead a bit to ostensibly a likes dislikes area. I think this film translation is sometimes a bit too understated for its own good. I'm very curious when, when you share your thoughts on it, how clear the distinct goings on were and when they were clear to you of what is actually happening, because I got the feeling that I might be quite confused if I had not read the book about certain things that were going on. Um, and so that's that, that's kind of my initial thing. What I loved about the book was it creates an incredible atmosphere. Um, it has a tremendous amount of evocative language. Uh, the ending is a little different, which I'll get into when we compare it to what the the movie is. Um, similar themes, not drastically contrasting the themes, but uh, the ending is the ending is pretty different. Um, and I just loved the overall atmospheric vibe that the book gave me when I was reading it a um, little bit more violent pretty pretty gruesome um, but yeah just that great sort of spooky chill vibes that you sometimes get from a book that's what I loved about it sure and I could I could I could see that so
0: my uh, only one viewing in my experience of it is a bit of a mixed bag
2: okay sure
0: a lot to like a few things to love uh some things to be pretty ambivalent to borderline dislike yep um I'll start with some of the dislikes and 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 that might be a way in here hear this as a as a still germinating critique okay I almost feel like it's too stylized
2: for oh me. interesting okay yeah.
0: like there were times and I was like oh okay we this is and unreality in a way that i to your point the first five minutes i was like i don't even understand what is happening right now like what yeah, right is going on which which is you know the movie's intent the story's intent let me unsettle yes. you and then rewind and or not rewind sort of flash forward uh and 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 more pace ourselves into what we got thrown into at the beginning. I, I frame it that way I didn't have i didn't I didn't know what my bearings were for a, mm-hmm. a, a good bit and and couple that with the hyper stylization and I was just kind of like what am I watching
2: yeah, um I get that
0: not and not even in a negative way just in a like what you know there there are parts that feel kind of monster of the week TV episode yeah you know okay. like sure um it never feels phoned in. Like it feels mm-hmm. considered. I just, um, if if the production style landed itself at about a, its own ten, I wouldn't have minded more like a seven and a half, just to like, got it, help me kind of feel a little bit more tethered to reality. Um,
2: because yeah. and, and it's incredibly oh, heightened. I I, I yeah. agree with that sensibility. Yeah.
0: Um, the other negative or the other dislike, if we're if I'm going to use that language. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you, you love yourself. And I called it, um, <laughs> sure. I mean, probably yeah. a third of the way through. I was like, I wrote it down here. Cause I said, I said to myself, write it down because mm. I don't want to be accused of BSing on here. I <laughs> wrote down probably about a third of the way through soft tooth. Jack is the previous run winner.
2: Ah, nice. Good call. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm.
0: and so now maybe I was just, paying a better attention than normal but there was so much it's such a bottle of a reality the movie's mm-hmm. presenting that what that told me was everything is orchestrated you know every, everything is, is 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 tuned a particular yeah. way mm-hmm. and noth- none of this is perfectly random uh, and so it just kind of tipped me off at a certain point because of the um. What you know? Ask about. Uh. What's the previous? What's the brother's name? Not Richie. Uh. Not Richie. Jim. Jim Shepard. Jim. Yeah. Ask about Jimmy once. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ask about Jimmy three, four, maybe five, six times. Like okay, okay. Yes. Jimmy's absence it. is palpable. Yes yes, <laughs> right. yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. And anyway, so. Now, is that that me patting myself on the back? Is that me saying, you know, it's a little obvious? Sure,
2: pick one. Well, Um, I can, uh, with with apologies for jumping in, it uh, interests me to hear you say that. In the book, that is a shocking reveal. Uh, And and like, the way, it's been a couple years removed from it now, but I remember the way the book deployed it when I found out that Jim was the, is the new Sawtooth Jack, I was like, holy cow. And it, it energized and elevated what i was reading in a uh, in a way that the film didn't achieve the same energy yeah. with the reveal. Well um, i imagine so, yeah. in a prose setting
0: you can pace the rhythm out in such a way that some of those things aren't as obvious. Sure right? like, yes. yeah. like in other words the what i just said the call out about jimmy like mm-hmm. yeah it happens it happens once and you're like okay yeah it's just a brother longing for his brother brotherly love blah 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 and there was a point where i just knew i was like okay that's exactly where we're heading to the point that once he receives the letter i just said it's because he it's because he won't leave it alone the mom just wrote him a letter yeah yeah like, yeah and, yeah, and, and, yeah, and, yeah, and so call. i am i'm am defending what you're saying which is i think the prose form just the the, the decompressed nature of it those aren't as ready tells as they yeah. are in a compressed narrative like this sure um so so you know kind of the hyper real nature of it um the the, the semi predictability of it a bit of the 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 hectic you know helter skelter kind of delivery of that first little bit but all that aside like it's clearly inventive yeah uh it's clearly got some stuff on its mind and actually this is a compliment even though it could be perceived as backhanded there are choices made and i applaud that like the yeah, the the, the way yeah. You choose to deliver something, the, the the things you want me to be thinking about. Like it's there's nothing bland about it. This is all getting to. I think personally, um, I kinda wish the nature of Sawtooth Jack wasn't what it was, only because I think Sawtooth Jack is one of the most excellently realized new horror monsters in the canon. Fantastic. I mean, yes. Visually stunning, mm-hmm. um monstrous, scary Creepy. scary. I don't yes. know that all of the rules quote unquote work for me. Like, mm-hmm. the, like saw mm-hmm. jack can just do a bunch of stuff somehow. Um, and just like murder people from 10 feet away somehow kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah um, yeah.
2: but then anyway. other times just like swats a person and they only, they, they kind of felt like they got bumped in black Friday shopping. <laughs> like, yeah. It was, yeah. But, yeah well, yeah, even yeah. things,
0: even things like, um, yeah, I, I guess, I guess if, if there's a criticism there, it's just when you have a, arguably mystical figure like this yeah i don't need to know i don't need to know everything i don't need to know how long this has been going on i don't need to know all the lore i just kind of need some bearing on its capabilities so i'm not like well i i don't need to ask i don't need the question answered how is this happening i need the sure. question answered a little bit of like okay can we have some consistency in its behavior um, yeah
2: yeah and its um, skills An interesting so uh it i wanted yeah. i don't want to no, rob I'm you good. of runway yep. but um so there's no stop signs here. So go this is gonna, no stop signs on the black road. So um, one, one interesting choice. I did see the trailer to this before I watched the movie. Uh, when I was thinking about whether or not this would like, when we were discussing, are we going to do this or not? One of the things I did was just look up the trailer. and said, Let me just see if this looks good. Like, cause I, I'm not even going to bother if, if the sure. film looks really cheap and it didn't look cheap. The trailer looked great. I was like, Ooh, this could, this could be interesting. There's this, interesting shot in the film where sawtooth jack like emblazons an entire locale and you know just this very uh monstrous sort of figure surrounded by fire great image like just a you know mm-hmm. stick that on a movie poster somewhere great shot what's interesting is uh this is getting into a little bit of the difference in the book and the film's ending is he does that to the church in the like in the in the novel sawtooth jack brings everything down like J- jim the previous winner yeah, like sawtooth yeah. jack is the one who orchestrates bringing everything down uh and and at his own peril uh at his basically you know sacrifice i'm done for so i'm just going to bring this all down with me sort of offers up himself and destroys the system that he's in like so it becomes I, a I like, kind of a, i like i like that better yeah, kind of, it becomes a kind of an anti-hero in the middle of it, which is, sure. is 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 great. I know I've just spoiled the ending of the book, but even if we spoil everything, the book's very well worth reading. It's it's brief and excellently written. Um but uh yeah, I was surprised to see them make the pivot that they did for you know, this. Even gonna even offer,
0: Yeah. I'm going to offer a cynical interjection here uh, or uh and the interjection is going to be of a cynical variety, which is to say mm-hmm. I think that's a great and more interesting button than what the movie gives. Honestly, what's a little disheartening about the movie is as I'm processing in real time, it's they, you know, there's sequel possibilities, right? There, oh, like,
2: sure. Yeah, you know, yeah. 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 It, the, the yeah. What you
0: just pitched with the novel, I'm sure it's the writer gone. could yeah. figure a way out to do other things, but it's meant to be, there's it's a pretty close to it.
2: Yeah. yeah it's pretty close. And something that's not terribly clear in the movie. I'm curious if you knew this, uh, in the novel, nobody can leave. And it's not explicitly explained. One of the detriments of the novel is that they never really explain what happens if Sawtooth wins, and they never explain why nobody in the town can leave. But the stakes—so uh, listeners have been listening to us chat about this a little bit, but to flesh out some of the summary of this, of this plot, um, this annual ritual that takes place at Halloween, Sawtooth Jack rises out of this field and tries to make his way to the center of town to this church— Every, you know, nearly every able-bodied boy in the town has to try to catch Sawtooth Jack and kill him before he kills them or makes it to the church. That's the that's the game that's afoot in the, at the center of this film. Um, the stakes that the film lays out, I think the film does a little bit better job of saying like, well, this blight comes into town and just destroys everything. And, and uh, Officer Ricks was even like, at one point is like, we lived for nine years under this blight. Uh, when when Sawtooth Jack won before. In the novel, uh, they kind of never... Exp- if I'm remembering correctly, they kind of never explain what's going to go wrong if Sawtooth uh, wins the game. Um, and it's never fully fleshed out why nobody in the town can leave. But the winner of the game every year, that's one of the privileges that they get, is they get to leave the town. Nobody else can leave the town, but the winner of this, this run Gets to leave the town, and their family obtains a massive house and tons of money. Uh, in I don't think they say this at any point in the movie, but in the book, they get a year free of bills. Basically, like they can walk into any store, go to anywhere. They just they, they don't have to pay for a thing for one year. That's kind of the privilege of of winning this game. So that adds to the shock when you come to realize that like oh the family gets all this stuff, but the boy who actually won. Is killed and becomes the new the next Sawtooth Jack, uh, and so there's this really interesting thing that we can get to into in in themes. Uh, not to get too ahead of ourselves, of like participating in the system as a means of trying to escape the system that then you just find yourself perpetuating. Uh, so anyway, not in themes yet. Um, but what I think the movie. Does pretty effectively is kind of explain better what the stakes are, but then I felt like it's ending, uh, kind of yeah, whether it's as you said, sequel possibilities, or uh, there was that other odd choice that, like, that I told you about. They start the credits not at the end of the film, like you know, plenty of movies do mid-credit scene, but I feel like the mid-credit scene in this movie is not just bonus epilogue, I feel like it's pretty. Like, it's pretty integral to to sure. what's happening. Um, but they started it midway through the credits, which is is just kind of an odd choice. But one of the things I would love, just so that we can leave sort of didactic things to the side, there are some shots in this that I, I found stunning. I paused it so that I could just enjoy the imagery. One of my favorites, I mentioned already, that Sawtooth Jack ablaze in that house. I mentioned that already. Another thing that I loved is when Richie sees Sawtooth. The first time he sees him is kind of just a, there he is, and runs after him. But that moment when Sawtooth and him have their first stare down, there's this fantastic like lower-level shot of Richie in that skull mask with like the corn pollen swirling around him in the moonlight. I was like, that is a fantastic shot. I was interested to hear you say that the stylized nature of it, I, I agree that it's heightened, but that was a plus for me. I thought visually, I just sort of drank in so many yeah. of its of its and, great shots. And and that's why I was trying
0: to be um conscientious of not necessarily saying this is itself a negative. I'm saying mm. that my experience of it after one viewing, after one viewing, I'll frame it this way. If there was a little more earthiness, I think Sawtooth Jack stands out even more.
2: Sure. And that's, and he's that's and granted, he's already yeah.
0: very striking as a yeah. as a creature and image. And and so again, yeah. not even not even necessarily saying I find it objectively good or bad. More just you're kind of just awash in style, such that I'm sure. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out. Okay, well, what is even going on? Um, yeah,
2: and I will say that to listeners who are are kind of listening to this to see whether or not they should check it out. Yes, we're we've spoiled a lot. We'll spoil even more. But if you're interested in checking this film out and you appreciate visual aesthetics, this is great. Uh, for that, uh, like it's got, it's just got a lot of interesting things there, and I like what you said. I agree with this other element that you said. Um, the film makes choices, and good, bad, or indifferent, whether it you know explains itself effectively or brings the viewer along effectively. Um, I appreciated that the film had a, a point of view, and it had something that it displayed that I didn't find heavy-handed, but I did find very deliberate. I was like, okay, this is the the choices here are intentional they feel intentional they don't feel overwrought uh they just like i love that there's this central metaphor baked into the premise of the film that never feels preachy to me it never it never really reached the level where i'm like wow you're really beating over the head with this central metaphorical concept but at the same time it's it's pretty overt it's pretty there what the film is interested in and exploring in terms of um you know the the stakes of this real story um so yeah that was another thing that i really responded to positively about the movie and probably is going to bring me back to it in years to come uh to to well, check it out again
0: and I, and i will say despite my sort of unsureness about the level of stylization i think beyond some of what you've already cited one of the most pfft, just badass images in the whole movie is um, I referred to it as Bag End, which is when all the characters are hiding in the bomb shelter oh, or whatever it is.
2: Man. And there's
0: this there's this shot from Street Side of Sawtooth Jack descending into it. Yes. And, I mean it's just it's just I was like, okay, that that's just incredible, which it then really is. is punctuated by this geyser of blood, you know, mm-hmm. kind of coming mm-hmm. kind of pouring forth from it that and and again, you know, it, it may sound silly to say I wish I had a little bit more rules for how Jack operates. It, it it isn't so much that I can't go with a fantastical sort of thing. It's just there are literal scenes of a guy running through the the, the field and he gets torn in two, like literally rent in right. two. There's a, 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 and, and yet at the top of the movie Jack has pyrokinetic abilities. You know, I I'm just like sure. yeah. I don't mm-hmm. totally know what all or not this thing is capable of. And and so it feels, it feels like everything, you know?
2: (laughs) Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, No, I can, I can totally receive that. Um, I think that's, I think that might conclude my list of like didactic stuff. Oh, uh, I will say this. I think the, I think the performances are pretty (laughs) strong. They are, they are choices. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) uh, To, to your point. Um, I think they're pretty strong. They are as stylized as the film is, which makes I got my, them.
0: My man Jeremy Davies is just in his tortured drunk dad phase, isn't he? He really is. Yes. I mean, yes, I was like, "Bad gum, bro." <laughs> the, the black
2: phone, and now this yep. is just like, "Oh my gosh!" Yes. At least,
0: um, at least in this, it gets a little, you know, repentance by the end of it. Sure, a little bit I
2: don't, of I don't think redemption. He doesn't
0: black phone. Yeah. Yeah, he um, does not in
2: black phone that I remember. Just a little well, bit of grace, but that's it.
0: Right. Right.
2: right. Yes. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm
0: actors and the phases of their careers they're <laughs> in you know book adaptations gobbledygook adaptations you know lest we forget we're a horror show so mm-hmm. if it's gory if it's gross if it causes you a fright it is time for the part of the show that we call that ain't right
2: Sure as hell, ain't right. Oh, it's great. Um, yeah. What you what you got for me on your that ain't right list? A few have
0: already been pointed to at least. I think, I think maybe one of the strongest images, uh, and I, I uh, you know, this movie is just uh, awash with white teen boys. Um, <laughs> and so I, I'd, I'd be hard pressed to name who this is, but it's it's one of Richie's crew when they're running out. I oh, I know where it. you're this going. Is kind of two-thirds of the way through, three-fourths of the way through. Sure, um, sure. And this particular character has been kind of an antagonist. I mean, he's, quote-unquote, a good guy. You know, he's one of Richie's crew, but he's uh, sure, been yeah. kind of the, the, mu- the muscle. Um, and he's running and just kind of at the nose has his head shorn into. Completely sliced and, off. Yeah, oh my and, God. and as the upper cranial part is shifting away, he just goes, Richie. Yeah.
2: if memory serves i only one time in I, I did have trouble keeping track of some of the characters names but i think that was charlie i think that's who that was okay um cool but yes he uh <laughs> you're like all right <laughs> i call him half a i've head already dude. i've already forgotten that <laughs> <laughs> well his brain did go so you know yeah that image was pretty striking little uh yeah, it, 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 very very alarming. Um, I'm going to go with Bud. Uh, the the that ain't right. <laughs> Which yet. is who? Uh, yes, I know. Bud is the one who, after he witnesses what's out in the field, runs back home. And when he runs back home, he's begging his family to <clears throat> let him in and let him please, like because he's seen what happened to his friend. He saw, you know, one of his friends literally got, you know shorn in two in the middle the other one got his head just completely sliced off Uh, but not even like decapitated like the head was sliced in the middle like you just shared Um, but then when Bud goes back there his mom and of course I don't remember from your notes if you had put together this piece of the puzzle yet but me having read the book I knew Um, so it just is a gut punch when his dad is saying to him like be a man son like be a man and then his mom is like, we need this. No, come on, be brave, be strong. We need this. And, um, and, and knowing they're sending him out into slaughter, like maybe he will win. Maybe they're hoping he will win, but there's a much, a significantly stronger likelihood that he will die a gruesome death. And then he, from there, failure to get his own parents to let him in, he goes to his friends in that bunker and tries to get them to let him mm-hmm. in. They won't let him oh, in. No, that's the rough. With yes. And then when Tooth, Sawtooth scene. Yep. Yeah, when Sawtooth Jack gets him, uh it is uh yeah, he gets uh uh his head gets He gets jaw ripped ripped asunder from the jaw. Yeah, it is uh and 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 it's it's still a relatively quick shot, but uh lingers longer than some of the other shots did <laughs> so it's uh yeah that one that one was mine after this poor guy has been begging pleading weeping to be let in to some shelter um yeah just completely gets taken out while a kid is watching from the window there's a mm-hmm. kid up there a younger Child. kid yep. yeah uh watching all of this from the window is just it's tremendously gruesome just really really gnarly how do um, you?
0: Okay. Speak to this a little bit. And, um, this is sort of that ain't right. I, 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 okay. I'll, I'll name it as such. And the, that ain't right. And, this particular line of thought is, is just the general design of, of Sawtooth Jack. When you read the book, how, mm-hmm. do, how does, how does your reading compare to the visualized form?
2: Are you so, asking, was the film a more gruesome or grisly translation of what's descriptions in the book? Sure. Or? How,
0: how, does the, how does the film's depiction of what Sawtooth Jack looks like match what you would have understood it to be?
2: Um, that's a good question. So the book is very evocative and descriptive. Uh, it definitely describes him as a very tall, emaciated, somewhat skeletal figure with this giant pumpkin head. Um mm-hmm. I thought the creature design was better than my anticipation of... It's pretty uh, epic. Yeah, it's great. Um, and honestly, like, I was worried coming into this. So this was directed by David Slade, which, not for nothing, I am going to answer your question. Da- this is David Slade's third appearance on the podcast. I don't know if you did any IMDb um, uh, digging, but he directed yeah, Hard Candy, right yep, and yep. Um, he also directed the Netflix uh, film Bandersnatch. Bandersnatch, yep. yep. Um, but... Uh, he's, he, his biggest, uh, I think most popular piece is something we haven't covered, which is he directed the film of 30 days of night. Um, Mm -hmm. which I know you've read that graphic novel or I think you have, but, um, the, but basically back to the sawtooth Jack thing. Like I know Slade is a strong visualization director, like he's able to conceptualize things, but I still felt that sawtooth Jack in film form exceeded my expectations And in the book, it is very evocative, but you think, you know, okay, skeletal figure with a big pumpkin head, you can kind of streamline some of those visual images. Seeing it on screen, I was like, man, this is gnarly. It's completely.
0: I didn't do enough digging to know explicitly where the line, where the, you know, one begins and one ends, but it's also largely practical.
2: I think um, so. Yes, yeah. it didn't I mean, look there's, there's CG probably, at all. There's
0: probably some touch-up work being done, but but the, the, yeah. I think the physical form is is largely practical. Yeah, I think you're. Um, I think
2: you're right. And I'll speak one more thing. I don't know if yeah. this is what you were asking, but my memory of the book is that it is more violent than the film was. But the couple of deaths we get, like, are rocked my head back more oh, yeah. than anything. Okay. <laughs> yeah, more we're than right anything. At the jaw. In the- yeah. <laughs> right, uh more than anything in that the book did the the book i think is more descriptively violent than the than the movie was um overall collectively, but yeah, the film's deaths, the few that are there uh were jarring enough to to kind of put me back on my heels
0: um yeah, other than that, um I think the skeleton masks the crew wears are pretty creepy mm-hmm. um, um you know now, okay, now this is funny. I've got Charlie gets thrown in the air and ripped in too. Oh, Yours maybe that was Charlie. Charlie. Uh, see,
2: maybe that was Charlie. I don't know.
0: Um, that's all good. Um, I don't and know, then bro. The, the, the guys are blood bursting from back end. Uh, is, is kind of on there. God, that's um, such a
2: great shot.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. did read, 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 read. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did you squirm? I did. Did, did you wince? I did. Did you squint your eyes real tight more than once? It was probably because of the cactus cooler and Sawtooth Jack. And we see him, and we say, "That ain't right."
2: That sure as hell ain't right. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> That's so great. Oh my god. Um. So yeah. Um. I mean, I find. The story here, you know, hard pivot. We can bounce around to any version of didactic or, or thematic up, up to the surface with didactic stuff or down into the depths with thematic stuff as we want to, but I find this premise incredibly compelling. As a sort of haunted mystical fable, um, I find it extremely compelling. Just that there's this notion of a, a, a place stuck in time completely stuck. Um, And it is stuck. I get this impression from the film. This is definitely informed by the book as well, but is stuck largely because the people of the town continue to permit themselves to be stuck. They largely choose this paradigm. They choose to participate in this ritual. I don't know what the blight was, but Interestingly,
0: I didn't get from the movie now it's clear just structurally this is a lost town uh but yeah i don't recall from the movie anything explicit about an inability to leave um Mm -hmm. now okay i don't think there was like you i felt like you were saying the book is pretty explicit that no one can leave and i don't feel like that was a stated rule of the film
2: uh yeah uh affirming your point 100% correct I don't think the film ever says that the reason it was such a big deal in the book is because when Sawtooth Jack basically destroys the system that that's one of the final beats of the film is everybody leaves everybody finally can leave and they oh, disperse oh, hmm. um, and uh, because he has brought down this thing that was holding them as a nexus uh, almost like a, a centralized magnet a nucleus that they couldn't escape from from its orbit Um, and one of the things that I am still trying to figure out what to make of, because if there is anything in the film that I find to be a bit, uh, ham fisted, it is so much of the Christological imagery, um, like Sawtooth Jack is up on this, on this scarecrow pole, but it's very much a cruciform image. And then when Richie, um, you know, defeats Sawtooth Jack, the people, Lift him up on their shoulders, and he's very much in a like a Christ pose while he's being crowdsourced around everywhere. Um, so, some of that imagery I didn't quite know what to make of because Christological imagery, when it's deployed, Uh, I I usually just consider it cheap at this point because of how many people have deployed it like oh yeah look isn't this like a Jesus figure I'm like okay you're not doing anything interesting with this visualization (laughs) like you're just you're just having somebody extend their arms and you want me to Mm, think where have we seen this before right exactly everywhere and so it's just one of those things I'm like okay yeah
0: Jesus um, did it well but Zack Snyder did it best
2: (laughs) (laughs) Sawtooth Jack is coming for you. Oh, my God. Oh, Lord have mercy. That is no, 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 no. Mm. Um, but, you know, uh, I the thing that I find so, so compelling about this, as I touched on, you know, earlier, kind of drove by it, now I'm going to drive into it, is the, uh, the idea that the boys are participating in this because they want this success, this victory, as far as the film's concerned, it's a status symbol, it's, you know, validation, solidification that you are important, you're the winner, you're the winner, you're the winner, and by participating in this, they simultaneously fall victim to it and perpetuate it. They don't escape it, they merely continue it, and I find that, so incredibly compelling, as a human observation of the ways in which our efforts sometimes will drive us to try to oh well, you know what if I can just make it to this threshold, then I can escape all of the trappings of all of these things that uh, that that drive us that we don 't like uh that we 're unsatisfied by uh there 's this old Clarence, I believe it's Clarence Darrow, it may be a false attribution, but I believe it was a famous lawyer, Clarence Darrow, who said, I wish someone had told me that when you reach the top, there's nothing there, um, which I've always found to be a really compelling quote. Uh, but I find that baked into this premise in a really, really interesting way. Officer Ricks, who again, that's, that's your boy, Jack Kirby... Um, no, that's he, Luke Kirby. Jack Kirby Luke is the Kirby. Yes. one of the most Sorry.
0: famous comic book artists of all time, Reed. Put some respect that on that name.
2: That is true. That is true. Uh, R.I.P. Jack Kirby. Respect! Uh, Luke Kirby. Um, but he is clearly perpetuating this system because he does not want the town to re-experience the, the blight, the famine, the whatever happened to the town when Sawtooth Jack won. That I think the film could have done a better job of fleshing out um, because Rick's is the only one who really feels this way. You know what sandbox this um, film is playing in. I thought about this. I don't know if you thought about this, but this sandbox intentional or otherwise, uh, the sandbox is playing in is the same one knock at the cabin was playing in, which is uh, do we continue to perpetuate a system uh, you know where somebody has to die? Basically, and then that's what keeps everything going. That's what keeps the wheels spinning. That's what keeps you know. In the early part, the mayor of the town comes up and says, "Now we can look forward to another year of success." You know, Um, and so I would say that
0: I would say they're pretty different corners of the same same sandbox. Perhaps fair point. Fair Um, um, point. But um, there are there are the Venn diagram has a few overlapping circles to it. Um, That's true. So that people aren't like. Nathan, he's an a hole in Dark Harvest and he's a scumbag in Halloween Resurrection. Uh so it's clear I love Mr. Kirby because um he first loved me. No. Um <laughs> because I'm <talking> so <laughs> um, Christological imagery. Uh, uh right, it's everywhere. <laughs> Reading, where do we get it mm-hmm. from? Um uh he first hit my radar on the lovely, quite funny. Endearing, uh, um, just glorious TV show, uh, Slings and Arrows, which is this Canadian. Oh, that's right. Um, yes. Uh, I think it's three seasons, much like the UK. It was these like eight episode seasons back before America did that, left and right. And I mean, young him, young Rachel McAdams are the kind of the um the ingenues of the particular season that he's featured in. So really liked him in that. Uh, he's a lot of fun in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, if anyone's seen that. So I don't just like this mm. guy because he's an a-hole in everything he does. But <laughs> <laughs> read Nathan. You know how sometimes we'll watch these things and on their surface receive this in brotherly love. I think oh, the oh boy. I think the thematics you're pointing to are pretty on the nose.
2: That's true. Yes.
0: Which mm-hmm. which isn't a criticism of of you or your your wisdom um but I mm, I right now after mm-hmm. one viewing don't mm-hmm. think this movie is as smart as what I'm about to pull out of it. Okay. Or I'm sorry, is as aware of what it's doing as what I'm about to point to here so if I'm, if I'm critiquing anything about the theme that, that um, uh, is not about uh, that's Reed's theme and I don't like it. No, it's the movie's theme Mm -hmm. about, you know, the system and, you know, Oh yeah, of course. Burn, burn, burn it, Um, burn it down. Which is the final word on the film. If there's, if there's anything I don't love about it is it's, it's pretty generic. It's pretty, you know, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. A -hmm, a cycle, mm -hmm. a vicious cycle that we need to figure out how to break out of. Oh my God. I think, uh, and I'm going to try to figure out how to walk into this with the level of profundity I feel about it. Um, but because I didn't uh, pre-write any sort of monologue, I don't know if I'll find the as much profundity as I think is actually true here. But if break the system is a generic theme that kind of just, you know, is applicable across all sorts of, storytelling and forms of media deep or not you know read the the thing that kind of even in reflecting on now doesn't I, i have a hard time shaking off about this movie is is i'm going to tie directly to our current era of the real world living which is to say In this movie, uh, an element of the story that we haven't explicitly stated, just because it's not crucial, this level of depth to the overall plot, but what these townsfolk do is lock their boys away Mm. for, Mm -hmm. I think it's three days? Three days, yes. Look at their Christological imagery again, right? the numerology yes. of the Bible. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm ignoring that part. What I'm basically trying to say is they lock them away for an extended period of time, intentionally depriving them of basic sustenance mm-hmm. and no food, ne- no water, and, need and things that keep us human with the express purpose of unleashing them murderously into. Yes. A, a, a gamed system. Mm-hmm. And I think you will resonate perhaps with this idea. We live in a culture where our men are locked away, our young men. And I don't mm-hmm. mean incarceration, I mean isolated, alone, deprived of, of human ness. Mm -hmm. They, they find, they feed on the things they find in the darkest corners of the internet. Mm -hmm. They are alone and they turn murderous and they unleash themselves into the world. And, and it isn't even hypothetical anymore. It's not even metaphorical. (laughs) We have an epidemic of angry young men murdering people angry mm. old men murdering people in mass yeah because because somewhere we've failed them because we've convinced them that soft-tooth jack who is in fact their neighbor yeah is worthy of their rage And Mm -hmm. murder. Mm -hmm. Here's. um, I'll say this. The. Jordan Peterson's of the world. The Matt Walsh's of the world. The I'll say it. Joe Rogan's of the world. These personalities have the power they do in their platform. Because there is a gap They are filling. There is a thing that exists. Uh, let me rephrase that. There's a negative space in our men that is being filled by these people. Uh And, and, and so this is what I mean. What little grace I'll give them is they know they see that need. And I think they're exploiting it personally. Um, By, by things like you identified it in the film, go out there, be a man like, yeah, we have, (laughs) we, we've, we've somehow bought this infernal lie that any expression of manhood that isn't hyper masculine, violent
2: violence um, for sure
0: you know the the myth of the noble violent man that that anything that isn't that is somehow not man not masculine
1: mm-hmm.
0: and 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 on top of trying to convince ourselves of it we've folded into the preaching that comes from those sources that Anything resembling not that is anti-man, is um not to be tolerated. And 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 where I'm kind of going with this is, you know, what this movie kind of gets wrong in some of its like ham fisted Christological imagery is what we always get wrong about Jesus. <laughs> we we yeah. think it's we think it's just a totem. We think mm-hmm. it's just we think Jesus is just a an icon, um, yeah, and and I think what's kind of scary is the the thing being paraded through our town squares. He says metaphorically, but really, as masculinity is just is just emptiness it's just well it's it's vanity it's um it's emptiness and it also masks the the deep wound we as men carry i mean reed i think i thank god and i say this with no shred of um you know sarcasm that of all stupid things i ended up a a theater kid (laughs) seems random but i don't know i don't think i would have ended up you know kind of this machismo type of persona as a large hairy dude in the world but i do think it was the experience of 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 things like storytelling um Mm -hmm. through through performance specifically there but also through uh but also you know when you when you're forced to reflect on the stories of others, you're kind of if if you're doing it right, empathy will naturally flow out. Right. Yeah. You'll you'll start to just kind of comprehend everyone's got their own kind of version of of their story, uh, which isn't meant to be heard as well, oh, everything's relative and you know, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. It's meant to be your experience is your experience. And Um, I'm I'm getting a little long in the tooth here. Get at the sawtooth. But but Ah, my main takeaway is to illustrate the fact that what is powerful about this subsection of this movie is this way. um, I referenced this recently, uh, but just through circumstance attended a um, it doesn't matter for the moment why, but uh, a substance abuse and mental health workshop where i was learning and being educated on some of this stuff and something that came up in that was how our our loneliness our 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 emaciation due Mm -hmm. to the deprivation of of things were being taken away from us um one of the ways that manifests these days is in our 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 technology addictions And, and basically what the instructor this speaker lecturer was talking about and the point he was trying to make is who uh he was speaking specifically of young people and teenagers and he said well who who gave them those things <laughs> we yeah did. yeah we did mm-hmm. you know and and i think so much about like i won't go doing the depths of it because it's horrific but you and i just between our text threads saw an article today that's just utterly abominable and and,
2: and yes and yeah The
0: the headline itself you know feels like it was written in a a a, a corner of hell and and honestly read I got I I got racked kind of emotionally by it I was like
2: yeah yeah, what are we
0: to do you know Um, but the the very long diatribe hopefully coming to a close here is just the point I'm trying to make that we we deprive our men of the truth of their humanness which can and I say should include a an acknowledgement that masculinity takes many forms. Um, we So we deprive them of their humanness and feed them a boatload of lies until they go on rampages and, and kill people. Like, that's just yeah. kind of the fact of the matter. And it's, it's garbage. And I hate it. Uh, I don't know the path out other than to stop listening to... False. False shepherds. I mean, if I'm being real frank.
2: Dark harvest, yeah, Read Dark harvest. Um What I hear when you're talking about this, because, yeah, I mean, kind of a deficiency I have and one that I'll call out. um, For good or ill, I'm selective about the voices that I give time to i used to pride myself on like oh i uh listen to lots of different opinions and differing opinions i actually do think that's still true of me as a personality but um a deficiency i have of directly engaging what you're talking about is i don't the some of the names you cited i've heard very very little of what they have to say so i wouldn't even be able to speak directly into what you're describing and a lot of that's by choice it's my choice But what I hear you describing is this relationship to – I hear power, the relationship to power. And um, I was having a conversation with my son earlier today about different things, and we were just having – a. it was a brief one. It wasn't extensive or or, or terribly in-depth, but the ways we give other people power over us – and the ways that we can sometimes do that in a very uh, kind of too trusting way. I find it the height of irony sometimes, incredible irony. I'll be very specific about this. Um, there's several people who are like, oh, I don't want the the government in my privacy. I don't want the government in my, uh, you know, to, to get all up in my information. And they have an iPhone. And... Like the, the to me, it, in case my reference is a bit obtuse, like the very fact that you own a plugged in smart device, like privacy is probably a myth. It really is probably a myth. Um and it it's just I find it interesting and a bit ironic how we can view our paradigms of power and look over on one section and say, Oh, okay. Um, over here, uh, I'm not going to give that side of things power over me. And then so glibly give power away in other places, uh, almost gleefully, uh, the way Can that I, the scripture, we well, let me, me jump let in me, there. I'm sorry, go ahead. yes, no, let me say this and then hold your yeah. thought. Um, the way the scripture describes that, and then I'm going to cite the line and then hush about it is. Uh, straining at a gnat and swallowing a camel is what christ said about it that basically like you uh, strain over a very very small thing and then gobble up a very big thing unknowingly but what were you going to comment on that
0: well and and this risks you know uh, perhaps unnecessary you know stroll through the cornfield here but something that was alarming to me to discover a number of years ago that is in the spirit of what you just said of this you know the don't let the government get in my business but you know uh here I'll, I'll I'll hold one of the foremost material goods on the planet at the same mm-hmm. time and is part of that and this again this this risks uh overreaching our current conversation uh even though I think it could be circled back around to the system part you uh, noted about the movie, which is when you don't ask me how this stuff originates. So that part, I'm pretty ignorant to, uh, at least the, 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 deepest, you know, reaches of it. But when, when the subculture you're a part of says government bad, but free market capitalism, good. This is what results in what you just said, which is, mm. well, you know, hey, whoa, government overreach, but no, no, this is fine. And, and, uh, th- how this came to me was, uh, because of the, the sort of vocational circles I run in, uh, uh a number of years ago, I had a, a colleague who was arguably kind of a, a hippie and, you know, didn't, didn't truck at all with a evangelicalism or B understanding how some of the, um, uh lies we kind of tell ourselves um in that world about what rationalizes some of our actions and what i kind of came to in in conversations with him was effectively that the market is the morality right the market itself is itself moral it, it it is it is a moral good that exists in the world like that is not me overstating what people who operate in that sort of zone would think uh, wow. they might not explicitly state that, but that is the end result. Um, I recently got into a conversation where I, now again, this is what I mean. We risk going far afield here, but I do think it circles back into the, uh, do you abide or do you destroy the system? And what's the middle ground where, uh, I was, In a conversation where I was campaigning on behalf of, in this case, the union auto workers and the disparity in executive pay uh, that has that has happened over the last 30 years. And and my uh, uh, debate partner, as it were, was like, well, you know, there's just Nathan, what you want, you know, kind of speaking speaking to my sort of childish naivete i suppose uh uh what you want is is you know to to bend the rules of the market and the market's going to fix itself and this is just the nature of the market you you flail against the market at your own at your own sort of peril like it's never going to change like this is the nature of it you know executives uh at the head of multinational corporations deserve to make more money it was this staggeringly ignorant conversation mm-hmm. partly on my part too i'm sure but the ultimate takeaway being the strange Separation that exists and this is a person and and there are places in which we would align but this is a person who definitively would declare themselves a, 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 a faithful follower of Jesus. I'm not questioning inherently that part. I am saying um, I don't understand mm-hmm. that rationale. I don't understand how you square that circle um, which is where if the movie gets anything right or rather the book, the movie and its stinger does anything right, it's saying okay, <laughs> If, if Nathan is wrong, and we shouldn't bend the rules of the system to somehow accommodate those who are getting murdered or or stomped under it, then is the only solution to burn the system down. I don't know. I don't know that it's not either. Um, hmm. You know, I, again, yeah. apologies for taking what you might have intended and in, in steering it far off uh, into the cornfield. But uh, uh,
2: No, no, no. It's a... Uh- no, it's okay. Um it's it brings up a lot of thoughts and feelings that I have about again our relationship to power. Um and I mean fundamentally what you're describing about you know moral markets and specifically the um I'll bring it back to Jesus. Uh the Thank God, brother. <laughs> the I've cited this on the show before um Deeply inspirational moment to me in scripture is when Jesus was very beaten, bloodied, uh, crown of thorns on his head at this point, had been flogged at this point, And Pilate, as the scriptures declare, said, don't you realize I have the power to release you or to have you crucified? And Jesus says back to him you know, uh, no spoiler, but in case people don't remember the story, Jesus says back to him, you have no power over me if it had not been given you from above. And what stands out to me about that moment is there's a machismo, to bring it back to your observation about um, 2023 conflicts within men, there's this understanding of like, oh, that's that's the rise up moment, right? That's the you know buck up like, you can't beat me, you can't defeat me. But I read that moment very differently than that. I don't read that moment as like a tear down of Pilate. Um, and the specific reason that I do is because at the moment he says that, Jesus has been awake all night. Jesus has been brutally beaten. He's been subjugated multiple times. But the fact that he could stand there, what that tells me is not – Jesus is more powerful than Pilate, it's Pilate doesn't understand power. When Pilate says, I have the power to release you or to have you crucified, and Jesus says, you have no power over me if it's not been given you from above, I think most people would read that and be like, see, Jesus is still more powerful than Pilate because he's going to rise from the dead and even death couldn't hold him and all this language that we say because it's still a it's still a game. It's still, it's still a game under that paradigm of who's the strongest, who's the biggest, who's the best, and that's why we continue to witness wars, that's why we continue to conduct conflicts of, well, who's going to win? This person's going to win or that person's going to win? Who's the smartest? Who's the better strategist? All of that kind of stuff. And what that scripture, what that, that moment when Jesus said that back to Pilate, again, what that tells me is we don't understand power. We, we fundamentally do not understand how it works. We try to deploy it. We try to leverage it. We try to earn it. We try to gain it. We try to wield it, but we don't understand it. Because Christ in that moment and throughout the rest of that night into that day, when he walked forward into death and devastation, he clearly was telling us something about the futility of, of our continued pursuit of power, the futility of our continued pursuit of control. And it says something to me about strength. And it says something to me about courage. And it says something to me about influence and the ways in which we so frequently chase things that are hollow. You, you called it this earlier, like hollow and empty. And, and it just, all it will do is suck us dry and leave us, you know, following being in the in the film's language uh, like emaciated uh, and and you know completely husks. just husks. Husks. There, there it is. Yes, but then also it, you know, uh, it's right there in the title of the novel, the title of the film. We just, you said earlier, who gave them these things? We did. What will it take? This is a bit of a preachy statement, so forgive me for this. What will it take for us to take seriously the truth that we will reap what we sow? What will it take before we take seriously that fact that is not, a, that is not exclusively a Christian fact, that is not exclusively an, a religious fact? What will it take before we recognize, hey, all these seeds you're planting, this shell game of power and one-upmanship, you're just going to reap the whirlwind. Why do you continue to plant, forgive me, listeners, forgive me, co-host, why do you continue to march inevitably towards that dark harvest where you're going to reap everything that you have planted over time and continue to escalate and continue to pour on and pile on, when are we going to recognize that the answer is not just increased effort, increased oomph, oh well I'm going to be, you know, bigger and stronger and better and faster than all of them. When are we going to realize that that just further fuels and further feeds the thing that is sucking us dry? When are we going to learn? When will we learn? Yeah, Um, I
0: think I think to maybe, you know, to your conversation about power, I think, I think something that comes to me there is, is, you know, and, and possibly a more, uh, succinct way of, of saying what I was fumbling through earlier is like, we, we all buy the lie that power is meant to be wielded. And, mm-hmm. and, and this over time creates violence and, and more violence when, You know, point of fact, the truth of the matter is that power, those in powers, best, best hope for salvation is, is, is giving it away, Mm -hmm. you know, is, Mm -hmm. is not holding it loosely or not holding it tight as tightly as we do. Um, I am curious, I mean, like, and who knows, maybe this is a, you know, an off ramp to the heady, but like an off ramp from the heady, but. You know, when, when, when you hear as the father of a son, me talk about like, what are we doing to our boys? You know, and, and how we deprive them of their humanness, um, in service of some system. Like, does that resonate for you? And, and, and I, that's not meant to be a gotcha question. That's just me thinking out loud no, and trying not. to yeah. find a, a path towards something kind of deep and rich i for myself you know i think i i I view the world a little differently being a parent of 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 multiple women and Mm -hmm. uh, only insofar as i'm almost more on guard and cautious uh but also in my reflective moments see also the the nefarious nature of what societally we're doing to yeah. our boys, you know? Uh,
2: yeah. There's sense. a, uh, there's a really great book that it's been, uh, a lengthy minute since I've read, but it's called Raising Cain. Um, the emotional life of boys. Um, hmm. and I think I've said something about a modern, this
0: on, it's a modern book.
2: Very. I want to say yeah, in yeah. the past, like decade or so, uh, sure. maybe, uh, maybe a little bit longer than that, but, um, one of the things that I took away from that book, it, it was a it was a very smart book that, that I enjoyed quite a bit, but one of one of my big takeaways from it is uh talking about the ways that we've perpetuated a stereotype that males are standardly emotionless, that they don't have complex, nuanced emotions going on inside of them. Uh that for instance if And I'm not minimizing the ways that emotionality and the, the stereotypes around emotionalities get deployed against women. I'm just talking about guys sure. right now. Yeah. Um, fundamentally, there's this concept that, like, if a, a girl or a woman cries because they feel emotional, then that's, that's going to be validated. At the very least, it's going to be normalized. Sure. But if a young boy were to cry because of something, it is, sure. yeah, or man, it is likely that the response would be, oh, you know, man up, walk it off, you know, squash that. You talk about sure. the, the violence and the locking away. What happens when those emotions are not given ventilation is they turn inward right. and they become anger and they become Fueled. depression and they become, and they, and they fuel this little torrent inside that will find its way out somewhere, either through healthy outlets or unhealthy ways. Um, and so that's one of the things that, that I've thought about a lot in this conversation around like masculinity and, and how that transmits. And I do think there is a, a, a through line that you can point back to another great book, uh, Jesus and John Wayne, talking mm-hmm. about this, this concept of like the strong, silent type uh just not a complexity of emotion. Just not uh that if that if if someone is sensitive um or if someone has a variety of complex feelings, that is deemed, broadly speaking, to be sub masculine. That's deemed to be like, oh well you're not you're not manly the way this other thing is manly. And I think that uh you know getting getting back to uh this idea of like what's happening inside of all of us, I mean, we all have a wide array of different feelings and different thoughts. I am lucky, very lucky, that even though I grew up in a very, um, I'll call it strict, it wasn't necessarily hyper-rigid, but uh, in a strict sort of evangelical circle household, uh, pretty, pretty strict. Um, but my father was a sensitive guy and uh, never really... Deployed the machismo that I see from other places. I I appreciate that. Um, sure. You know, there's there's lots of things that I would point to about my upbringing that can be uh, painful or, or sad or, or even frustrating. But uh, my father's always been a sensitive person, and I am appreciative that I did not constantly feel that complex emotions were a problem to be solved. Sure. Um, and I feel like a lot of times in stereotypical masculinity, that is something that is pointed to as like, oh no, it's just this, right? Like, you know, guys don't want to talk. They just want to fart and scratch themselves and sit and want, you know, give me the remote and all this, you know, the, the most insidious and, and terrible stereotypes about all this. Uh, I am also lucky. I'll call it out right now. Um, I am very, very fortunate that I am pretty surrounded, uh, easily 10 to 12, uh, maybe more of my friends that I engage with, we can have complex, rich, emotional conversations. We can talk about complicated feelings and we can share our, our thoughts. And I think that has been incredibly healthy. And I think that's permitted me to not have some of the fears or the threats of like, uh, feeling less than if I'm feeling a bit like, um, how should I put it? I I, I don't necessarily have this difficulty of like, oh, well, you made me feel like less of a man or less of like, (laughs) I I don't struggle with some of those thoughts. And the reason I'm highlighting that out is not to pat myself on the back or brag about it, but I think it comes back to my fortune and my experience was permitted to have a complex emotional life. And because of that, I feel like there's just all these different places that my mind and imagination can go uh, that other people who are more stymied don't have that freedom and fluidity to do. Sure, um, uh, my yeah. wife and I were talking recently, and you know,
0: sometimes, and I understand this. Sometimes she can not love that I, I, my time is spent in a lot of different directions, and you know, whether it's <laughs> stuff we do for this or, you know, um, you know, our 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 mutual text thread. you and i are on and and just some of the other i don't have many uh but i've got a few specific outlets of just men i engage with and hang out with and um ideally in in person to person but not always the case and uh she she was sharing and i appreciated at least she was like you know i was reading this article the other day and it was about how um Adult men, there's this epidemic of loneliness and I don't know, it just really made me really thankful for the men in your life. And I was like, Oh, oh thank you. I, can, I, re- yes. I received that. <laughs> yes. No, absolutely.
2: And that it that is, I mean, like getting back to that whole thing. When you when you force when you're forced to choke on the complex feelings, then you're gonna isolate. And even if you are surrounded by people, you're gonna isolate. And, um, and that I think is, is cancerous to a full and rich thought process. And I will say that like, you know, kind of getting back to the, to the film, um, again, this notion of the, the, the deployment of violence, like the, the heightening of violence to try to, again, just, we, we don't know another way to be, um, with, I'm just gonna go back to something I said earlier like we don't understand power. Um, I'm sorry that I keep harping on that, but I just we we have come so far and do not recognize what is in our hands. We just don't recognize it. Um, and we arrogantly think we do because we know how to leverage it, not realizing the ways it's killing us and not realizing the ways it is marching us ever ever more towards, something that is, um, is going to undo us. And I think, uh, I, I forgive yeah. if this is, um,
0: you know, maybe nuancing a thing that didn't need it, but like, I think there's a way we very much understand power. Um, what we get confused about is, is the way it's meant to be utilized, you know, and, hmm. and that, especially for those who would claim a, A Christ followership that, you know, in my comprehension, limited though it might be, um, as best as I perceive it, the power we gain is the power we're meant to give back and give away and keep, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like those who have none, we use ours to benefit them. Um, perilous is the moment we start to decide to shore it up. Or that it's like Bilbo with the ring, ours, our own, our precious, or like Gollum with the ring. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean... Anyway, I, anyway point being, just slight nuance, as I hear you say, we don't understand it. I, I think there's a world where we keenly understand it. It just infects us.
2: Yeah, and I, I wouldn't even strongly disagree with that. I think it's just, I keep getting stuck on like we think getting back to the reaping and sowing thing, and this may be my final word on the, you know, the subject, the film, everything else getting back to it is, is I think if we understood it better, we would be more mindful of what we are setting ourselves up to. sow, uh, or setting ourselves up to reap. I apologize. Um, that, that, yes, I think no, we understand and yeah. understand sometimes how it works. I don't think we understand what it does to us, the way we sure. leverage and deploy. It. Um, and and that's what I keep harping on is is it's like I may understand the utility of what I have at my fingertips, but do I truly understand the effect, the long term effect? No, on I, I think that's yeah, um, I like that distinction. And yeah, and, and that I think is what I keep scratching at when we talk about all of these subjects, the the, the concepts of masculinity, the do this, do this, do this. Even, you know, bring it out of the machismo and into the mystical of like, oh, this is the key to the universe, the secret of the universe. I think a lot of that is probably vanity. Uh, I think a lot of that is probably very, very um, just nonsense. A lot of it is. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, just not to put too fine a point on it.
0: With great love, I say. That was a leap. You went from like masculinity <laughs> to people saying I've got the key to the universe. Like, whoa. We just,
2: <laughs> <we> <laughs> what we I think about is like for the stars thinking, thinking about, you know, those fad books like the secret and those fad sure. books like, okay. you know, mysticism yeah, yeah. and even and even in your best life now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah.
2: Stuff like that. Even <laughs> even the way. Well, yeah. Even the way that like churchy language can sometimes be deployed. Um, and I do think we have we haven't got the time to spend on it, but. Uh, it just I find it fascinating that Sawtooth Jack is trying to make his way to a church. That's, mm-hmm. We don't have time to go there, but I find that uh, incredibly fascinating um, and that that is how he will win is if he can get to church. Uh, not obviously <laughs> to participate in, you know, prayer and... <laughs> the hymn sing. Uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. I can but,
0: see Sawtooth
2: Jack just... Yeah, whoo, just oh, like... You whoo, know, getting into it. Where's, you know. uh, where's Lorraine? You know, because he <laughs> lives. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But uh, yeah, great discussion. Um, mm. Fascinating film. I would side, I would, I would give a, you know, side commentary, say, check out the book because it is so brief and, and uh, easily accessible. But you have anything more you want to say about that or you feel, you feel pretty satisfied? I don't. Satisfied? Sawtooth lackey. All right. Well, why don't we do this? Why don't we uh, wrap it up with our Yield Fog Meter? Uh, the specific metric of fear and God that we use to rate the media we cover Not necessarily on its quality, but on its uh, weight, its heft, its gravity, what it asks of us as the reader. We measure those in two specific metrics, fear and God, which is what we loosely describe as the scares of a thing and the thoughtfulness, the substance of a thing. Uh, Nathan, Dark Harvest, directed by David Slade, based upon a book by Norman Partridge. What would you give it for the fear measurement?
0: I don't think it's very scary, uh, but I do think the stylization, which, you know, I I sort of I'm I'm talking on both sides of my mouth a little bit here. But the stylization amplified by the kills doubled down upon by the just like canonically horror icon that in one film is Sawtooth Jack. Like, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I, I'm going to give it an eight. I, I right. don't not All because right. it actively scared me, but just because I think the imagery is so strong and so horror
2: imagery. Yes. If that makes yeah. sense. It does. Um, And I think I'm going to join you on that eight. I find the premise haunting. Uh, There's a couple of those gruesome visualizations. I agree with you. It's not nightmarish in that startle jump scare kind of thing. But man, uh, Sawtooth Jack, uh, you know what it reminded me of? Please, you're going to laugh in just a second because of what Sawtooth Jack is. But it reminded me in many ways of the way I felt the first time I saw Pumpkinhead, the creature design of Pumpkinhead. Of course, Sawtooth Jack is also – he's got a pumpkin on his head, blah, blah, blah. But it's its very different from that. But it reminded me of that kind of arresting, wow, uh, some monsters thrive on
0: – I can't tell if, if that was just some self-preservation at work. Like you were like, Nathan, you're going to laugh at me. I'm like,
2: I, I wouldn't – no, no. I mean, it's just no. I just now. I figured, admittedly, yeah, yeah.
0: I, I wrote
2: in my notes at the very top. Oh, The Purge meets Pumpkinhead. That's what this is. Oh, see, yes, yes. That's yeah. basically what this is. Um, but talking about and applauding the Sawtooth Jack creature design, as we have so many times in this thing, uh, there are some creatures that they really benefit from the right lighting. <laughs> We're like, sure. okay, yeah. you know, like you, 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 you kind of subvert them. Maybe it's not the strongest. View And then there are other creatures that you're just like, wow, this full shot of this creature design is very effective. And I feel like Sawtooth Jack is definitely in that camp. I'm going to join you with your eight on that. Um, Here's what's hard for me about the God meter uh, for me is because I am bringing into the film a lot of what I read from the book. So trying to segment it out, I think the film is still very interesting. I think the film's still very thoughtful. I think the film is not confused. But I do think it's sometimes so subdued, uh, almost to its detriment of clarity. Um, so I'm going to land on a six for the God meter. If but but I'm again, I, I feel stronger about that because of having read the book. But uh, if I, I would give the book a ten, but we're not reading the book.
0: a matron, you're going to match. Is it me my six. Turn?
2: It is your turn. It's okay. your turn. What do uh, you do? No, I'm not going
0: to match you with a six. Um, no. I'm going to go with a five. I okay. think that. Um, the movie, the uh, thematically, it's very simple, which is not inherently a negative, uh, but mm-hmm. its theme is nothing itself that new, and yeah. it doesn't seem like it knows a ton else to say about the theme. It just is the theme. So, yeah.
2: Yes. Nope. Nope. Agreed. And that means that we give uh, the unrounded score as a 6.75, but we'll round that up to a 7 out of 10 on the fog meter for Dark Harvest. Yeah. Um, do you recommend Dark Harvest to people? Yes, it's not a full-throated recommend right now.
0: I'm le- okay, mm, this is what's hard. Actually, like it is not one. I'm just like itching to get back to, but mm-hmm. it's so strong and striking in its in its visual language that it's definitely worth watching. Uh, right. I just don't. I, I, I don't. It, it, it will not be with great intention that I revisit it. It'd be more circumstantial if I did sure.
2: I understand if that. that makes I understand sense. that. Um I have I would I would pivot this into a definitely recommend category. I think this is a very very interesting film. Um like you my enthusiasm is a bit tempered and so I would say that with the recommendation. Hey, I'm not soliciting this to you as like a new high watermark for horror like we've encountered some other films where I'm like, "Man, this is a new benchmark." This is not that but for me, this is a definite recommendation. Like if, if what we've talked about, and we've spoiled a lot, we spoiled veritably everything. Uh, don't think we talked about the very, very end of it though. Um, but, uh, if, if you like what you've been hearing about this, I definitely recommend this film. I wholeheartedly and enthusiastically recommend the book it's based on that. Mm. I am like, if you are a reader and have not read Norman Partridge's book, seek it out. I think it's amazing. So, uh, you know full-hearted recommendation for the book i have a definite recommendation for the film if you are still not quite over the spooky season vibes and you're like i need something i want to scratch that itch just kind of on my way out this takes place at halloween and definitely fulfills that criteria with a lot of interesting things on its mind as well and not for nothing as we've commented before great visually very stylized lots of great shots fantastic creature design so yeah there's a lot to there's a lot to really really like about this film even if you'll walk away and go like well i didn't love it but yeah i really liked it i thought it was very good um i think that's going to be most people's experience of watching it um so yeah uh, this was fun to just kind of dive into something that wasn't really uh on the radar or on the docket we don't rarely get we rarely get the opportunity to uh to really do that so
0: and uh, and as a last note before you deliver our coda here rarely do i deliver a patron plug at the end of the episode but uh six mm-hmm. degrees of horror icon was a lot of fun and right. uh, you know we we utilized actors inside of this movie to connect them to horror icons you know join Patreon fun. listen to that it was a lot of that fun that was
2: really fun that was really fun. Uh, well thank you so much Nathan for agreeing to come on this little ride with me uh, to go on this run if you will And uh, as we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom but not the end of the conversation. In that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. Don't forget about needful things and we will see you all. Thank you listeners. We will see you all. Thank you again, Nathan. Next week.
0: <laughs> You're welcome again, Reed. <laughs> all the thank yous. All the all bye, everybody.
2: Bye. bye everybody. Bye everybody.
0: The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation, and you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for links to our social media and episode archive, essays, merchandise, and more. If you love what we do, consider becoming a patron by visiting patreon.com slash thefearofgodpodcast, where you will unlock exclusive bonus episodes, extended standard episodes, online events, and so much more. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of tracermatula.com for our artwork, our assortment of talented musicians Andrew Nelson, the Island Family, and Jackson Harper for our varied show tunes, and to Lee Wright and Reed Lackey for our theme music. Special thank you also to Tyler Smith at MoreThanOneLesson.com. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And if you listen to us through Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.
1: Hi, everybody!